0: Turn your architectural designs into stunning immersive experiences with Enscape. This innovative tool integrates seamlessly with your design software to bring your ideas to life in real-time 3D and VR. With Enscape, you'll experience instant rendering, have the ability to make design changes on the fly and present your projects in stunning detail. Ideal for architects, designers, and anyone passionate about visual storytelling in architecture, dive into the new era of design visualization with Enscape. Visit Enscape3D.com to learn more. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people, who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Peter Tui, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Glad to be here. It's, it's an honor. So you have actually
1: accompanied me. I exercise almost every day on this. It's the NCR trail. So it's this flat trail from my house all the way to Pennsylvania. So for hours, I'm out there and you're with me for a lot of those hours. So thank you. Oh, That's
0: awesome. I'm glad to accompany you. I don't feel as exercised as you, but (laughs) 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 let me introduce you to anyone who may not know who you are. Peter Tui is an accomplished residential architect with a passion for creating exceptional custom homes in the Mid-Atlantic region. His firm, 2E Architects, was recognized by Baltimore Magazine as Baltimore's Best Architect in the August 2022 issue and Reader's Choice Best Home in April 2023. Congratulations, Peter. Thank you. you. That highlights Peter's commitment to delivering the best possible outcome for his clients. And As a pioneer in the use of VR, virtual reality, Peter has successfully created immersive experiences for his clients. And this approach allows clients to fully engage in their home's design, resulting in a superior end product and greater customer satisfaction. And that's what I want to focus on today is your use of virtual reality. Peter, you sent me one of your intro emails that you send to your clients when they first hire you. And I was so sucked in and engrossed with the format of the email, but it also has links to some of the videos that you've created with your use of VR. And it immediately explains what you do, how you do it, what they're expecting. I can imagine that your clients are very well prepared and excited to get started working with you simply from those videos. So I'm really excited to talk about VR and your use of VR and all of that with 2E Architects. But before that, I want to learn more about you. I want you to go back as far as you want to go back and share your origin story. What are Who inspired you to get started? And when did you discover your passion for architecture?
1: So I'm going to tell you two stories. And the second one starts the way I think every great story starts, with a hernia operation. That's how (laughs) TUI Architects got started, the, the actual company. But before that, when I was in high school, I was like, you know, floundering freshman in high school and decided because my brother was in all the plays that I would help build the sets because I didn't want to be on stage. I was, you know, not, I was too stage fright to even think about being on stage. The stage crew. Yeah, exactly. Well, I Me designed, too. Yeah, designed and built. So yeah. I would read whatever, you know, we did Our Town, we did, I can't remember all of them. And so my, Miss Carol was her name. And she said, you know, don't look at any images from any of the, what anyone else has ever done. I want you to design it. And then yeah. as soon as you come up with a design that very second, then I want you to look, see what everyone else has done which I still do to this day. Like clients come into my office and they say, oh, you know, I've designed this house. Here are the plans I did or whatever. Yep. It's like, yeah, 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 I'll see those. I want to see them after I look, you know, and I do my own thinking. And then we can take all the ideas from both, which is what I did in high school. And then by the time I was a senior, Miss Carroll said, you know, you could probably do this for a living. And, you know, we've done this for many years and none of them have ever been better than these. And so then fast forward to that hernia operation. So. I got this letter from, the guy's name was Bruce Finkelstein. And he said, you know, hey, are you itching to open up your own office? You can open your office in my office. And so we set up this deal and he had an assistant. Her name was Kitty Daly, like one of the most wonderful people on the planet. And they nursed my firm up. So we kept this relationship for about seven years. And so- How did
0: he find you? How did he know to email you? That's a really good
1: question. You should probably ask Bruce. But I think he sent this email out to, or letter. I got it was a letter. And he sent it to, I think, maybe 100 architects. And he interviewed maybe 10. And then he selected, you know, again, for better or for worse, me. But for better for me, for sure. But the funny part was, is I threw the letter away. You know, I wasn't feeling well. You know, I was convalescing a little bit. And my wife literally dragged it out of the garbage because she'd seen it. And she was like, why are you not responding to this, you could do this. This could be you. And of course, I never feared, because I was roughly 40 at that moment in my life. I never feared that I couldn't do the architecture. Like I could do that. But I wondered if I would go out of business because I just simply wasn't a good business person. And the answer to that was yes, Peter, you probably would have. And again, not because of the architecture, because I wouldn't have chased down the bills, the invoices, whatever. I would have done something wrong, but they wouldn't let me. And so I paid a certain percentage I think it was 30% of whatever I earned, not whatever I billed, but whatever I earned. So, you know, if I earned a thousand dollars, they would get 300. And then, you know, next month, let's hope I would earn more than that. So I couldn't ever lose money. That was not a possibility, which to me was great. So I got a bookkeeper, somebody who would answer the phones. Kitty did way more than just that. But I also got a mentor and Bruce. You know, I would talk to them like, oh, I don't want to know if I want to put all, you know, there were, we have rooftop decks in Baltimore City, and I just didn't want to put a hole in a roof. And what am I going to do? You know, like that. And so I thought about like weighing this thing down and all. That. Anyway, Bruce came up with a solution that I, I really liked. And, but it could be anything. Like just like a client said that they wanted their building to be taller than what is the code will allow, or whatever. And so we would talk through those, anything I wanted, he was willing to talk about.
0: What was Bruce's motivation for doing that in the first place? Why did he even come up with that idea? Was he looking for a firm transition or just a mentorship you know, relationship or what was it?
1: So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. One, he's just an interesting thinker, way more interesting than most people, right? So two is he had space for someone to work, but he didn't want to grow his firm. So he was closer to the end of his career. He's now retired than the beginning. And he had this space and he had Kitty who was working full time, but had time in her schedule, or at least that's what he thought. And she would probably argue and then I, it worked. So he was probably right. Having said that, you know she was always busy. Kitty was always busy. And again, she was perfect. You need a, a great Kitty to make this whole model work. Yes. But the reason I think this is such a great origin story, not because it has me in it, but because I think it's so repeatable. You know, So I think there are people who are young architects who were like I was however many years ago, know they can do the architecture, but not really sure about the business. So find this mentor and say, yeah, I'll pay and all all this. And then on the other hand, now you're an older architect like now I am. Could I be that mentor? And the answer is I could, but I need Kitty, which right now I don't have. So to me, it's so repeatable. And I think would be good for, again, our industry. Right. You know, if we could nurture these young, talented architects with all this, you know, had all the energy and spirit, you know, this young, charging architect. And I don't know if you ever watched Cheers when you were younger, but, you know, sure. when Coach died, that's when Woody Harrelson came in and he just energized the whole show. And that's what I did to their office. Yeah. You know, like a puppy dog. I was a puppy dog. (laughs) So in any case, I
0: just really like that origin story because it's so repeatable. So how did you go from Bruce's office to where you are today? What were the steps that you took from that to E-Architects?
1: So both Bruce and Kitty were, you know, about 20 years older than I am. And they were both thinking about retiring and they both did it at roughly the same time. But I took that seven years of knowledge. Now I knew what to do, how to do it. I mean, the first day I, I got there, they erased HBF Plus on every one of their contracts and documents and wrote two e Architects. So that that was huge for me, huge. Like, how do you even charge? You know, I wasn't sure. Like, from my old firm, it was a big secret, you know? And so I wasn't privy to any of those contracts. So I didn't know what they looked like, what they felt like, and all that. So... Step one, I was done in half an hour, you know, not even. And Kitty did it. So I didn't even have to do anything. And then step two was find business for me. Well, Bruce had extra business, you know, projects would come in, half of them would go to me, half of them would go to Bruce, and we would discuss which half. You know, so it wasn't like Bruce took all the best projects. He was right. kind. Like, I like this one because it's a musician. If you're not watching this, I have guitars hanging in my office. So I'm a musician. And so they Bruce would think, oh, there's probably a natural connection there. And there was. So it was just, again, really a great way to mentor a young architect. And then you make all this money with, again, no liability, no anything. You know, very little time, you know, the the time that Bruce spent per week mentoring me was minimal, but important to me. And a lot of that mentoring just happened at lunch. We would go out to lunch and talk about whatever was on my mind. So from him, that's like free time, you know, he's going to eat lunch anyway.
0: So your firm today is the succession of Bruce's firm?
1: No. So he retired. Every once in a while, I'll get a call from him and he'll recommend a client to me but he had his firm, I had mine. They never cross operated in any way. So when I won the best architect award, he called me and congratulated me. And then a couple months later, best house, and he was like, "Hey, you're on a roll." You know, just so he keeps in touch, which is great.
0: So, how large is your firm today?
1: Two people. So I have a guy who lives south of D.C. who does all of the modeling so that we can do these BIMx models so that we can then transform them into the virtual reality, which is what I do. So I do design work. He does the modeling, which is really important. And then we put that into the virtual reality. And then, you know, the goggles are right here and clients come in and put the goggles on. And that's when sort of the magic happens. I mean, I have hilarious stories of people wearing virtual reality goggles, you know, people crying. This is so beautiful, Peter. I can't even begin to believe it. And then they pause. Now I'm ruining your goggles because they're getting their mascara. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, don't worry. I can clean that. That's no problem at all. This is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And then think about this. If you're an architect and you're listening, so people invite their family to come to these virtual reality meetings. So think about that. When was the last time any client of yours said, hey, you know what? Maybe my mom and dad should come. And oh, the kids too. Right. And the answer is never. You know, but they do for the virtual reality meetings. So this little girl is in virtual reality seeing her room. And she picked out this wallpaper for her ceiling that had stars on it. And that kind of, It was adorable. And so we put that in the model, which is easy to do, not hard. So then I can see she sees the bed. And like, she's kind of starting to wiggle, like she's going to go jump on that bed. (laughs) It's like, oh, hold on there. (laughs) And then I I backed her up and then I had her sit down on my coffee table. There's a coffee table in my office. And then she could sit down on it, which was kind of like the right height for the bed. And she was happy and like a little girl would be. So it's just that exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning of that. How did you get involved with VR? How did you even start doing that? Because it's clearly effective and it's clearly an integrated part in your entire process that I want to talk about as well as how it's integrated into your process. But how did you start doing VR?
1: So the first thing is that trail that you've accompanied me on for years now, I started jogging it you know, back issues, so now I'm I'm cycling it. But I thought of this idea while I was jogging probably 15 years ago that we as architects should offer unlimited three-dimensional drawings to our clients inside and out. And I just started laughing out loud because, like, it's not even possible, right? But then less than a year later, I figured out a way to do it. You know, again, it was with the BIMx model, so I would do views of that BIMx model And we started just getting really good at modeling the homes and being very, very, very meticulous about that model. And I happened to listen to Chris Clark's interview literally today. So that was today's bike ride. And he's a big guy and he's helped my firm, me. And then a couple of like, it had to be January, Jared Banks. Yes. He's awesome. So like if readers, if you forgot about Jared or Chris, go back listen to those two again, forget this one,
0: go to those two. We'll put links in the show notes for both of those episodes. Actually, Jared's also coming back for another episode soon. So yeah, and uh, he'll he'll be on again soon. And they're
1: not good, they're great. And to me, I always find it amazing how much people spend on their degree in architecture or college and then how little they're willing to spend for training for the single most important tool in the toolbox their computer program. The difference is like, oh, it's minuscule. And so both of those people have helped me. So anyway, so we perfected that BIMx model and our local person, his name's Henry Berger, said to me, it's like, wow, you're really close to virtual reality. I mean, these models are really good. And I was like, what's virtual reality? You know, like I didn't know.
0: So the model came first. So clearly the model has to come first, but the idea of doing a meticulous model Mm -hmm. so a client can experience as much as they could through that model was your strategy, right? Try to allow the client to experience their project as much as possible through using that model.
1: Yeah, and for me, there's two things that's happening. One is to... Increase their confidence, right? I want them to be very, very confident about the decisions they're making, very confident. And then also decrease the stress because as a client, right. you're experiencing stress and, and it's an unknown process. And then architects bring out these drawings. And the drawings, you know, they illuminate the design, but they also are confusing. So maybe an equal helping, you know, like yeah. so. To me, a drawing is in 2023, antiquated. That's an antiquated device that people sometimes still use. That, that's how I would use the drawing word. And I tell my clients that we, you will 100%, 100% understand the drawings because we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at them. You know, we're going to be in virtual reality. They're going to put the goggles on. And they're going to you know, say if the ceiling is too high or too low or the room is whatever. And whenever they specifically ceiling heights before virtual reality, I never knew if they understood the drawings or not. And they were just nervous, which all right. parts have some level of nervousness. And so they have to change something. I'm nervous, so I have to change something. And so sometimes maybe the change would be for the better, even though it wasn't what they thought it was. Yeah. But sometimes the change was for the worse.
0: You know, that's interesting. They'll make a change because they feel like they have to. And it sort of covers up that they don't really understand what they're looking at. So I can say, oh, you know, I don't really like that. It's like, well, you don't really understand it. Right. And the worst
1: part for me now is the opposite. Like now I know they understand it, but like, oh, dang it. I really liked whatever it is that they're now changing. Right. Yeah. But it's easy for me to then say, well, Peter, are you going to live in this house? No. Yeah. We're yeah. going to change it, Right. I guess so, you know,
0: like that. So let's talk about how you use... What's the process of when a client comes... let's go right to the beginning. Client discovers two e-architects, right? What's the process from that point to the point where they're living and, and loving their home? What's the process? And where does VR fit into that process?
1: Okay. So the first things first is they normally... Don't know anything about virtual reality. So I have set up an introduction email, which I sent to you. Yeah. And that email has six videos, which you can go to the website, 2e-architects.com and, you know, take ideas from the website. You know, I want architecture to be raised, right? So make your website better. It doesn't mean my website's the best website. It's got some good ideas though. And one of yeah. the good ideas is that it has video content. And so I use the Fact that, you know, humans will watch videos for a way longer than they'll read anything. And so, give them video. So the six videos go over process, the importance of virtual reality. And then the last three are how we've now used virtual reality and concept design. So the good news for me and the bad news for other architects is that if they're interviewing multiple architects, which I insist that they do, like, this is not something I hope that they do. And I insist on, you cannot only interview me, but Peter, we really like you. I know, that's great. <laughs> I need to interview. It's way too important a thing to have
0: only one interview. The other thing about that is that when you're good, you want to be compared. Oh yeah. You want them to recognize that what you're presenting here with your service and your process and the VR and all of that is not normal, right? It's not typical. Right. And having them compare you to others they'll know that, right? If they only go to you, then they're like, oh, this is how all architects do it. Right. They all do this VR thing. Right. and right? So having them, you know, compare you to others is an advantage to you.
1: It is, but it's also in their best interest. So... Yes, absolutely. Right? And so for me, I'm always looking for that. You know, they're the clients, they're the one paying the money. And so for me, that's, it's just a natural part of my personality to want that to happen. You know, my website, we have all kinds of Pamphlets that can be downloaded and they have been downloaded. My joke is in forty nine of the fifty states, come on, anyone in Nebraska <laughs> and all over the world, right? So these pamphlets of VR, but how to select the right architect for your home, and all kinds of other you know helpful things to help people on their journey to getting a home that doesn't I mean I don't benefit from this except that my website is one of the better websites in Baltimore because of all of the stuff that people download,
0: yeah, the website. If you want to go check it out while we're talking here, is two e-architects.com. You can go there and you can see all the different videos and the resources that Peter offers. So they you send out that email that has the links to the videos, which are fantastic. Those videos are those videos on the website as well in addition not to-
1: all of them, not all of them. So I want to save some for that email because I want that email to be super exciting. So then they come in almost every time they come in. It's hilarious. You're going to know from this interview that I talk a lot. I'm a talker. And uh, and the hardest part for this interview is that what I have to do is find out just one piece of information. You know, what is your dream home? And we have about 30 or 40, or I don't even know how many now, in virtual reality. And so I'm just trying to figure out which one's the closest and then say, ah, hold on, let me just get that for you. And then now you'll put the goggles on And I don't think I've ever lost from anyone who's actually put on the goggles.
0: So you send out that email, you invite them into your studio, you pop the goggles or you have the interview sort of talk about what they're looking for. You go through your catalog of projects, find the one that sort of fits what they're describing and then pops on the goggles and say, Hey, here's a house that let let me know what you think. And you sort of let them walk through this amazing piece of architecture.
1: And then be quiet. Like, yeah. The less I say, the better. And then the funny thing is, is that really when they're coming in to interview me, I'm interviewing them is what's happening. Because I have more than enough work and I select my projects very intentionally. People who they have to love or have to have a high level of the design of their own home. Like for example, one of my best friends, he's a great guy, but he doesn't really care about where he lives. And he's a great guy. If you were going to have a party tomorrow, invite him, Right. Not me, him, he's better, but he's not my client, right? So that's fine. That doesn't mean he's a good or a bad person. You know, right. I just need someone that is as invested in the design of their home as I am invested in the design of their home. But that's a really high bar. So I'm looking for that. I'm also looking for not the budget of the project, but how the budget relates to the size. I don't want them to have, you know, champagne taste in with a beer sure. budget. So I don't care about the cost. You know, we're only designing whatever, a boathouse, and the boathouse is going to cost whatever it costs, but it needs to be something that's interesting to me now and really important to them. And the only way it's going to be interesting to me is it's really important to them. So we go through that process. And again, I'm saying no to more people that are saying no to me, but that's because I've got this chemical reaction of that I'm really old school and high tech right? So the old school is, you know, I care about proportion. I care about materials. I care about everything. Everything was taught in, uh, in architecture school. I've traveled extensively. I have sketchbooks. And for me, that's this old school knowledge, right? But then we couple that with this ultimate high tech and the younger architects have the high tech part down, but they don't have the old school yet. I mean, they're going to grow into that.
0: Right. Takes time.
1: Yeah. Right. And so to me, it's that combination of, you know, this chemical combination, you know, MacGyver, right from the old TV show. And all of a sudden all the magic happens because these two chemicals come
0: together and they're the right two chemicals. So they go through that process. They take the headsets off, they wipe their tears (laughs) (laughs) and, and they sign a contract and they get started. So what's the process of going from the signed contract to the end? Where does VR for their house fit in?
1: Exactly. Great question. So this is new for us. So we've only done this now twice. So what we do now is the first thing we do is this clarity session. It's a million questions. Everyone knows I graduated college, but by the end of the clarity session, they're wondering if I graduated third grade because I ask why. Because if I understand what they want, they get one level of service. But if I understand why they want whatever it is that they want, that level increases exponentially. So we do that. And then I come up with a design, right? So it's a floor plan, like every other architect on the planet. You know, again, because I've done so many homes, I kind of skip bubble diagrams and go right to a floor plan. But now we do that as a white model. So they're going to see the volumes. And I put in some windows, not very many, because I don't want them focused on windows. I want them focused on the 3D ramifications of 2D design decisions.
0: So a digital version of a cardboard
1: study model. Exactly, exactly. And it's a highly effective tool because they're in it the day one, right? So they're super surprised. They think they're going to look at plans, and they do. But then we put them right into virtual reality and say, hey, you know, this is just a little model, you know, there's nothing precious about this model. We're going to change it, and it's going to change dramatically. But here's the start. And there's usually one overriding concept that I want them to get, like, here's the view that you're going to have to the lake, or here's the height, or whatever it is, if there's always something. So for me, it's, again, I want the, to raise the level of my client to collaborator, right? But they get all of my, you know, years of experience and, and talent, you know, I'm actually, actually pretty good at this. So they get that But it's both and, because I don't have to read their minds anymore like I used to have to. Now they look at me and say, oh, no, that ceiling is way too high. And I can't argue with that, you know, because they see it. They move their neck. They look up and they feel what they're supposed to feel. I literally was at a job site yesterday. So Justin and Laura and Justin came to me and the walls are up for the first time. Roof is on, but that's it. So windows aren't in, no drywall, no anything because I feel like this is deja vu. I I know. (laughs) Which was perfect. Yeah, he's been here before. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, delays, and rising costs with supply chain and staffing issues. These costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like rcat.com is so important. Rcat works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free use RCAT's powerful search engine to find what you need fast and download it right there on their site without needing to pay for anything. It's free. You don't even have to register. So go try RCAT.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Unlock your full potential as an architect business owner at Entre Architect Network. Since 2013, Entre Architect has been the premier membership community designed exclusively for small firm entrepreneur architects like you. Join a vibrant community of like-minded professionals and gain access to a wealth of resources, mentorship, and support. From comprehensive courses to expert guidance, Entre Architect Network equips you with the necessary tools to thrive in your career. Master business strategies, enhance your marketing techniques, and excel in project management, all while fulfilling your continuing education requirements along the way. Break free from the isolation and connect with a supportive network that understands the unique challenges that you face as an architect business owner. Whether you're a startup architect or a seasoned professional looking to make a difference, join us and we will help you elevate your career, boost your confidence and unlock opportunities for your architecture firm. When our community of entrepreneur architects is linked and leveraged as one, there's no limit to the impact that we can have on the world. Visit entrearchitect.com today and become part of our thriving network. Unleash the full potential of your architecture business. Join Entre Architect Network today, the premier global business organization for small firm architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com. So virtual
1: reality starts at concept design. And then we add all the materials and design development. And then I use this also for the contractors so they can get better and better and better price models. So again, the BIMX, I mean, again, Jared and Chris go back. Like we give them the exact square footage of the roof, the exact square footage of the siding, the exact square footage of everything. We give them early in the process, the entire window schedule, door schedules. They get that very early. Our drawings are half done before we even start because we have what both Chris and Jared sell. And it's the models for the computer program. So our drawings are already labeled, sections, elevations, plans. The template. The template. So our templates are very robust now.
0: Yeah, Chris and Jared both talked about that as one of the top priorities when learning BIM. Exactly. Is to make sure you have a good template. And then that's the, temp- that's the thing that you use as you develop your firm and you develop your... Your process is all about templates.
1: Exactly, 100%. And we have a very good template now. And both Chris, the person who works with me, and I are very particular about what the drawings look like, how they feel, all that stuff. And we want to keep pushing the envelope. That's why we got to virtual reality. So we just kept pushing and found that we could do it. And then was like, oh, let's go further. And so now can we get virtual reality into concept design, that first meeting. And, you know, again, the clients were just like, I can't tell you how excited they were. Like, well, we're getting virtual reality already. yeah. And they understand the ramifications of the decisions that they're making. It's, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Now, you have to be able to build these quickly, the models, put in a little roof and all this. These are not, you know, building, you know, permit drawing models. These are just to get an idea. And then we go from there. So we do that. The contractors get them. We get great cost estimates because there's a lot of hard numbers in our cost estimates. You know, the exact cost of the roof, the exact cost of the windows. And then that cost will change because we're only really developing half the house, you know, the front or the back. And then we'll develop the other half whenever. You know, when they say yes to the concept design, then we keep going. But my point is that it's a really good way to get You know, people very, very firmly in their minds what the money is. That's half the battle. Where's the money? And then what the aesthetics are. And they're not guessing about either one. And that's the secret right there.
0: Yeah. So you're referencing BIMx. You referenced Chris and Jared. So you're using ARCHICAD. Yeah. Are there any other tools that you're using to develop your models?
1: Yeah. So we then bring the ARCHICAD model into Twinmotion. And, you know, again, I've taught courses on Twinmotion, right now there's a website called vr for architects and i haven't been on that website because i've just been too busy frankly you know but i'm thinking about going back to it so here's the way i think it is so what was that movie sea biscuit where two horses are racing and the one jockey's all he, he knows all he has to do is get the, his horse next to the horse that is the front runner, and then that horse just will not let the other horse win. So Seabiscuit was that. And then I was like, oh, I see that horse. I'm not going to let that horse win. So I, I guess it'll be me. And when you get a whole bunch of people doing virtual reality together, you say, oh, well, Joe just did this. I have to be better than Joe. And look what Cindy did. So oh, my you found God. a community. Exactly. A little, a little, not like yours. So.
0: Yeah, but the power of the community is
1: real. Exactly. And it's fun right because we also want Joe to super succeed. We're not hoping for anything other than the best for Joe right. and Cindy, but I still want to get better, right yeah. yeah and you see that and it's exactly perfect. So the end of the question way back when is we keep modifying the model until the clients have, the first model they see, it's like, well, you know, this is too wide or whatever it is. And then there's less of those objections and more. Oh, this is perfect. Oh, this is perfect. And then eventually there are no objections and everything is perfect. And then that's when we start building. And it's a really great process for both them and for me. You know, so you go on to house and there are a lot of recommendations for two e architects. And, you know, again, yes, I'm good at this, but I also have no risk because I can't lose. We hit the budget. We also hit the design, and people are super excited about the process. And they invite their kids and their parents and whoever else. And so it's just different, you know? And this is not like this is repeatable. What's your word? you have a word that that they're not competitors? They're what are they? Collaborators. Yeah, but they're you like allies. Colla- allies. Yeah, but I thought you were interviewed with Mark Zweig. Is that his name? Zweig, yeah. He is Zweig. And you used a word that collaborators and competitors and together like frenemies, but it wasn't frenemies. And for me, this is that, you know, you're trying to get everyone moving up. Like I want the entire architecture community, really just like you do, to elevate itself. And one way to do it is virtual reality. For sure, virtual reality is one way to do it. Because it is, you know, we talked about one reason to go to virtual reality is you know, again, I attract clients who are passionate about design. They're passionate about it. And they see this and and that intro email shows the, how passionate I am. But it also repels clients that are less passionate. They're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I get it. He's not for me, which is great. I don't want to waste their time. And I certainly don't want them to waste my time. And the second reason is that it's this competitive advantage I have over other architects, as soon as they see, you know, potential, see what I do, it's different. It's better. And it's, you know, my whiz-bang presentation is better than most other architects' whiz-bang presentations, even if they're better architects, right? If they're more talented, I can still win because of the presentation, but the reverse is true now. So there's a young architect that your architect is 28 years old, He or she is really good at virtual reality. Not a great architect yet, but good. And now there's a lovely clients are are going into, you know, let's say you are a 50-year-old architect and you use computer a little bit, but not a lot of it. You certainly don't have a BIMx model. Virtual reality isn't even a thought, but you're very talented. You are at the height of your profession, your talents. You are the right architect for this client. And then you show them all the drawings and everything and even have a couple of perspectives because you're that guy, you know, whatever. And you go home thinking that these clients are going to sign up for sure. They're the perfect client and you're the perfect architect. Then they go down the road, this 28-year-old whippersnapper who's barely even licensed. And then they show some virtual reality. and And that's, we'll call her Cindy. Cindy just drew three houses. She doesn't even have a client yet, but she drew three houses put them in virtual reality, and she wins the project. You know, so the of virtual reality is to avoid that story because it's a bad story even for architecture, right? So I want that lovely client to have the best experience possible. And that means they have to go with a, an architect that really knows what they're doing. But now that architect has to up their game. That's what it
0: comes yeah. to yeah, very inspiring. It's inspiring to hear your process that VR is just not one you know, presentation tool that's literally integrated into the entire process of creating architecture for you with your clients all the way to the end, right? Because I saw in the videos that even at the end, post-construction, you're using VR to share sort of a gift or a final presentation for your clients.
1: Yeah, so we do two things. At the end, we give everyone a book. So, so the book documents a hardcover book you know it used to be from apple they don't do it anymore so now you should apply and we have the plans and photos and you know them on site and the renderings and then right next to a rendering will be the photo when it's done and then we make sure that the vr experience which you know like let's say they change the sconces Yeah. okay so now we change the sconce in our vr so that when we make a video that shows their house when it's done it's perfect Yeah. Like as one example, we did a the house that won best home. They selected a door that was you know made by an artist. So we got the drawings from the artist, and we put it in our drawings. We knew they were going to do something like this, and so we just put their exact door in, and it didn't affect the decision for this because they had already gone with the artist, and the artist did his thing, and it's beautiful. But when you look at our VR experience now, it's perfect because the door matches. Yeah. So it does all the way to the end, and it's you know again. It's a great, great tool, but I have a we kind of buried the lead a little bit because one of the reasons to do virtual reality, and I didn't know this at the beginning, I charge higher fees. And so like, what? Higher fees? Architects can do that. Yeah. And the answer is yes, you can. If you offer something that is valuable to, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that all of my clients are Smarter than I am, right? So they've earned enough money to afford an architect. And they've even earned enough money to afford an expensive architect. So they're really smart. They don't like to feel not smart, which that's what drawings do, you know?
0: Yes. I've seen that happen many, many times. Exactly. And so we take that all away
1: and they see like the straight things. So then they say, Well, how much are you? I tell them and they say, Okay. And we've yeah. like the last time, well, actually it happened a couple of months ago where somebody argued with my fee. And the answer is okay, no. Like I'm not gonna argue about my fee. And it's just nice to be in this area. And and again, you know, I'm a talented architect. That is true, right? I win awards and all that kind of stuff. But part of that is getting the right clients.
0: Exactly. You've identified your ideal client. We talk about ideal clients all the time, and you have a very specific ideal client. Right? And by identifying that ideal client, you attract those ideal clients, and you also discourage people who are not ideal clients, Right, that people who may not be able to afford you or don't want that full level of service, you're not going to have to filter those people through anymore because they're not going to be attracted by what you're offering. The people who want what you want or are looking for what you provide are the ones that are going to come to you. And then it's just a matter of finding the right ones of those.
1: Exactly. And again, like creating the practice so that my ideal client is attracted to the practice. And exactly the reality is a big part of that. And so so it doesn't matter how strong I am or tall or whatever else, what does matter is I offer them what they want. And lastly, again, this is another, and I know Entre Architect, this is the goal, is to elevate the entire practice of architecture. That's the goal, Right. right? Which I, by the way, love, but I think virtual reality is the same thing. So I work with one contractor here time and again, and I work with about three time and again. One of them is D2 contractors here in Baltimore, and we make these magnificent, you know, roadside signs. He pays for them. I do all the work and he pays for them and builds them. Right. And we put both names, you know, D2 contractors, two architects on the sign. He's gotten. I don't know, hundreds of phone calls over the years. I've gotten zero, zero. They call the contractor. And the problem is, is that in our world today, specifically in America, because it's not true in Europe, the balance of contractor and architect is out of balance. If you want a custom home in America, the first thing you should do is interview, like, I don't know, three or four architects. But that's not what happens. You know, what happens is people call a contractor. Right. Then all of a sudden the path to success is becomes longer. It becomes even the possibility you may never get to success. Cause if you get the wrong contractor, they'll say, Oh, just do one of those internet plans. And then people do that. And then the house stinks. It doesn't even have a mudroom. I mean, can you believe that? But if you look on the internet, you will find homes that don't have mudrooms. And if you want a great kitchen, then you need a great mudroom because otherwise all the detritus from the day ends up on the kitchen island. And then that freaks out either the mom or the dad or both. And only because you walked from the garage into a laundry room and nobody dumped off their book bag in the laundry room, which again, that's 80% of all internet plants right there. Just, you know. Yeah. And then they look at the back of their house and it's truly ugly and it's like I didn't know the back of the house was this ugly yeah it's an internet <laughs> so my point is is that the path to success was completely derailed by the very first step of calling a contractor instead of an architect and so what I want to do and I know this is what you want to do is sort of elevate the practice so that they can't wait to call the architect and this is one way to do a virtual reality and I'm really hoping that more and more people do this because two reasons one there's a couple one, it's super fun. Like, again, when your clients are inviting their families, that's fun, right? For everyone. Yeah. Two, I make more money. That's true. That's great. But three, it's starting to create a buzz, right? And that buzz is really important. Again, it starts small and it's going to grow because it's easy. Like, I can do it. And if you were to go to every single, you know, one of my college classmates and say, who is the computer guy, you know, that, ace guy who's going to eventually get to virtual reality, I'd have been at the bottom of the list. So it's not impossible for anyone. So again, the, the 90% of the work is the BIMAX model. And as soon as you have that, you might even be 95% of virtual reality. So the last piece of the puzzle, you haven't asked this, is getting virtual reality at the right cost. So from a business perspective, you can't have these long detours like, you know, into virtual reality land that, that, you know, weeks go by and we're adding more and more plants and uh, bottles of wine or whatever it is. What we need are these little speed bumps. And that means you have to create your BIMx model with both the permit drawings and virtual reality in mind. And that's another show, so.
0: Well, we could have you come back. I'd love to have that conversation, get into a little bit more detail about how and what you do. That would be fun. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you the question that I ask all my guests. Yep. The one thing. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: I'm going to give you three, and I'm sorry. They're all they're <laughs> reasonable. These are reasonable. One is go back to Jared and go back to Chris and do whatever they said. So Jared said, decide when you're going to do BIMx. Yep. Make that decision. If you didn't decide, decide. Chris was, what did Chris say? I actually wrote it down. Chris said to... You know, get help, leverage the resources. He's right, you should do that. The second thing, specifically after COVID, I want you all to take a nice long vacation, two weeks, two weeks. That's what I want you to do. Then the one thing that's for real is I have a virtual board of directors for TUI Architects, and I want you to create your own board of directors. So the way I do this is I pick five to seven of my... Favorite best clients, the ones that just clicked, you know, just like that. You'll know who they are. And I never, I shouldn't say never, but very rarely pick both halves of a couple. I try to have equal numbers. There's again five to seven. So they're never quite equal men and women. And I try to go through all this. Then what I write down is all of their attributes, right? So they drive an Audi or they, whatever it is they do, they love jewelry or clothing or they've traveled the whole world, they're art lovers. Again, everything about them, because you know them now. You've interviewed them, you know everything about them. And then you've done this for five to seven people. You just have your ideal client now. right? But now I want you to leverage this thing. So now you're going to make a video or whatever. You're going to come up with a new homepage or you're going to do whatever. And you have three options. Send it to your board of directors. They love it. And so now you're going to get help from the very people that you're trying to convince. So this board of directors is invaluable and it's free. And the last thing is, is that this board is not precious because in five years, the board should have changed almost everyone. But because in five years, your ideal client will be different than it is today, or at least for me, it has always changed every like three to five years. So it's just a really great and fun thing to do. And it keeps people talking about you. That's the last one. Great idea. Yeah. That's your one thing. Board of directors.
0: Yeah. Very, very powerful. That's a great suggestion. No one's ever suggested that in the 500 times I've asked that question. And so, <laughs> so uh, that's a great, great answer. I appreciate that, Peter. His name is Peter Tui. It's spelled T W O H Y in case anybody's looking for it. The firm is 2E Architects and the website is 2EArchitects.com. The number two, the letter E-Architects.com. Peter, thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge here today. This is a really interesting conversation. VR is a very powerful tool when we use it. And I love the way that you've integrated it into your entire practice and leveraging it for not only your design process, but your marketing and your sales and all of it. It's all, all part of it. And so go to 2e-architects.com and go check it out. Thank you for coming by here today, Peter, and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Perfect, Mark. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: If you liked this episode of Entree Architect podcast, please share a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share a link to this episode with a friend because that is how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. By sharing a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I appreciate you for that. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode, Arcat and Entree Architect Network. Links to sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode and every episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entre Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast. Select episodes of Entre Architect Podcast are approved for AIA continuing education credit. Learn more about our new Gable members program at gablemedia.com members. That's G-A-B-L media.com members. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and go share what you know. Are you NCARB certified yet? Join the network of over 45,000 architects who have the NCARB certificate to expand your professional reach. By becoming NCARB certified, you are demonstrating that you've met the national standards for licensure, a qualification that can be an important factor for firms when hiring and promoting. Certificate holders have a streamlined path to apply for a reciprocal license in all 55 US jurisdictions, as well as access to an extensive library of free continuing education courses. Learn more today at NCARB.org.